Good morning, all. Good to see you today. How's everybody? Uh, you know, it's a little uh, rainy outside, but uh, you can get past that. All right. Well, be turning in your Bibles uh, to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to look at a quick scripture there. Actually, we're going to spend most of our time in Nehemiah today uh, in the Old Testament, but uh, we're going to look here uh, real quickly at uh, 2 Timothy 2 at a passage. But uh, uh, I'm really looking forward to our study and uh, the application of it for uh, our lives today. Uh, I think that you will like it as well. Uh, I'm uh, entitling it, uh, get, the do- get the Job Done type of person. And the question is, what kind of person do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? You remember when you were in uh, uh, grade school that uh, you probably had, uh, you know, first or second grade, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, the teacher asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. You guys ever have that yeah. in your class? What were some of your answers? I want to be a butterfly. Good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe you accomplished it. I don't know. Uh, uh, what now? You wanted to be the president. Okay, a little high ambition there. Uh, what else? Yeah. You want to be a lawyer. Okay. Yeah. A race car driver. Was that from driving with your mom? Anybody else? What do you want to be when you grow up? A cop. You know, classic is a fireman. Uh, I see someone's hand back there. I can't see the face, but a cook. Whoa. Okay. I remember my son when uh, when they uh, had that that thing. He said he wanted to be a dad. Uh, and uh, and his wife is pregnant, and so uh, prayerfully, in uh, about October or so, uh, he's going to get to that place in his life. But I, we're going to look at Nehemiah and, and uh, study some things from his life and hopefully make good application to our lives as well. But in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 here, in uh, uh, verse 12, or 2 Timothy 2.2, look what Paul describes as the kind of person... That uh, Timothy needs to be looking for for future leaders in the church. He says, And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So, what, is, what, what does he tell Timothy to look for in people? Someone who's reliable, right? That's a good thing. Now, look back in, uh, in Exodus chapter 18. Come on, get those Bibles going. You know, Randy brought his Bible today. We're excited to hear that. Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully you bring your Bible with you. I guess, you know, a lot of you do the electronic thing, don't you? Yeah, true. You know, I'm a little old school on that. I bring the Bible, you know. It's not any more inspired, but uh, I, I like to bring the Bible. In Exodus 18, Moses is picking out some leaders. And look at the word that's used here. Uh, beginning Exodus 18, beginning in verse 17. It says, Moses' father-in-law replied, uh, what you're doing is not good. In other words, he was seeing all the people, and he couldn't see them all. They were standing around him all day. He says, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you, and you cannot handle it alone. Listen to me, and I'll give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God, and bring their disputes to Him. Teach them the decrees, laws, and show them the way that they should live and the duties that they are to perform. But select, and here's the word, capable 
Select capable men from the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men, who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as, as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. So the word here is not reliable, but capable, right? Very similar, right? Reliable, capable uh, type of, uh, of people that he should be looking for. And the, the thought for you is, what do you want to be when you grow up? What kind of person do you want to be? Got a couple quotes for you here. Listen to these, see what you think. Your DNA is set. A better character is there to get. You are not done yet. So your DNA is set. And that's true. You know what? If, if your mom was 5'6 and your dad was 5'7, you're probably not going to be 6'11. Right? Because your DNA is set. That, that, that's probably not going to change, if you know what I mean. And it's amazing if, if you look at yourself uh, in a, a photo of you and, and uh, you look at your mom and dad, you're like, hmm, uh, I look a lot like my mom or I look like my dad or that kind of thing. You know, Your DNA is what your DNA is. But character is totally a different thing. Your character is not set by what your DNA is. Your character is out there to get, guys. And you can get a better and better and better character in your life. You can grow. You can develop. You can become much more than you are now later on in life. In, in your area of your character. And, and that should be a tremendous encouragement for us. You know? We can't say, well, I am what I am. And I can't change. No, we can always change. And we can always grow. And it's out there to get if, if we're willing to. Here's another quote. I think you'll like this one. There are three types of people in the world. The wills, the won'ts, and the can'ts. The wills uh, achieve everything. The won'ts oppose everything. And the can'ts won't try anything. Do you get that? <laughs> Let me hit you with that again. Three types of people in the world. The wills, the won'ts, and the can'ts. The wills achieve everything. The won'ts oppose everything. And the can'ts won't try anything. One of the greatest aspects of being a Christian, one of the things that I, uh, at the beginning and even now in my Christian life, that I'm the most excited about is that I can be better. I can, I can make improvement. I can be better next month than I am now. I can be better next year than I am now. You know what I'm saying? And so our study here of Nehemiah is to look at someone who got things done. A get done kind of person. Most of us, I, I think we, we would admit this probably pretty readily, we would like to be more that kind of person, wouldn't we? I want to be that kind of person. I want to get things done. You know, no, nobody's inspired in life at looking at your life and saying, man, I'm not accomplishing. I'm not finishing. I'm not getting where I want to go. We want to be able to look and say, hey, I made improvement. You know, I did it. I, I accomplished it. I finished it. You know, sometimes it's just that. You know, I finished it. I have to tell you, when I do the dishes, sometimes I go into the dishes, I'm like, ugh. But you know what? When I'm done, I, I, I look at the, the counter and the sink and I'm like, amen. Hey, hey. Got it done. Fired up. 
you know, I, 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 I kid with Chris, you know, sometimes when I go out for a run, uh, you know, don't really feel like running and not all that excited about it, but I never feel that way at the end. Always at the end, I feel like, did it. I'm the man. I always say to Chris, I say, hey, i got to keep this magnificent body in shape. And, and she always, you know, you know as, as she appropriately should. But you know what? We want to accomplish it. We want to get things done. Okay, now look over to Nehemiah. Now we're not going to stay exclusively at Nehemiah, so you know, we're going to still move around a little bit, but we're going to, uh, the story is in Nehemiah. We're going to spend most of our time there. Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah 1. You guys there? All right. Now, Nehemiah chapter 1, I'm going to go to the very end of the chapter. This is written by Nehemiah. It's his story. He says, I was cupbearer to the king. So, at the end of the chapter there, he sort of says, this is who I was. This is what I'm doing. This is a job. If you don't know what that is, this is an important job. The cupbearer to the king is a trusted person that's going to sort of taste your food and that kind of thing. It usually is involved in some level of decision making in the inner circle because that person is around all the decisions that are being made all the time. So this is an important person at Nehemiah. Who he is, is he's a Jew, probably a, a, a young man, that has been taken out of his home uh, country of uh, Judah. We're going to see that in a minute. And he is in Babylon. He is in captivity with his people. So you follow who he is in the situation? Okay, now let's look at verse uh, chapter 1, verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. Hey, if you're looking for a name for your kid, there you go. Hakaliah. You can just call him Haka for short. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, heck, yeah. In the month of Kislev, in the twentieth uh, year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hannah and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. So his brother and some other Jews came from Judah over to Babylon, to Susa, where he was, and he says, hey guys, fill me in, how are things going back home? That's really what he's asking. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before God, the God of heaven, and then I said, and he's going to go ahead here and and read his prayer. But here at the very beginning, we see something. I'm going to have five different things here. So this is number one of the, the character qualities that we see in him that are most important. Number one, he cares about other people and not just himself. These guys come, and, and he says, Hey, how's things going back home? How are the people doing? How's uh, Jerusalem look? And they said, Well, it's not a good report. The people are discouraged. They're, they're not doing well. The wall is down. The temple's been destroyed. And, and they bring a very negative report back to him. And of course, he, he responds. He's like, Oh, that is awful. Man, I, I wish it wasn't that bad. And, and he, he fasts. He prays. And, and we'll get to that a little bit more as we go along. But this per- first point here is something that you've got to get. He cares about other people 
and not just himself. What is the golden rule? Even if you don't know the Bible deeply, you know the golden rule. What's the golden rule? What's that? <laughs> Somebody, yeah, Barbara. Okay, that's true. And, and very similar to that, Jesus said we should love our neighbor as? Ourself. As you love yourself. Notice the assumption there. What is the assumption that Jesus says? That you love yourself. You know, the Bible never commands us to love ourselves. That commandment is not in the Bible. It, it is an assumption that you love yourself. You don't need to be commanded to love yourself. You do love yourself. Now, sometimes people say, well, I'm really unhappy with myself. Yeah, you're unhappy about yourself because you're thinking about yourself a lot. <laughs> so a little bit of your self-reflection is because you're so focused on you that, you know, uh, you're, you're like, uh, you know, a little marinating yourself, if you know what I'm saying. And that's not said that that can't be something that can't be overcome. It can't be a serious thing. But to love your neighbors, to love yourself, to the assumption you love yourself. But you should love others as well. Nobody wants to really be around someone that is always about them. Right. Have you ever known someone like that? Yeah. Have you ever felt like you're in a conversation and you know, and like, oh, you know, when are we going to swing this thing over my way? You know, that, that, that kind of a thing. But this quality, as a matter of fact, the first two qualities we're going to look at are qualities of leadership in him that allow him to get all this job done that we're going to look at here in a few minutes. He's going to get a lot done, but he's not going to get it done just doing it. He's going to get other people to do it as well. We like to follow people when we feel like the leadership that's being given to us, that they care about us. That, that they, they love us, or they like us, or they appreciate us. All of us at one time or another have been in a situation where the person that's providing some level of leadership in our lives, we feel like that person doesn't care about me. That person doesn't like me. Do you feel like doing much for that person? No, not much. Not much at all. We want to do things for people when we feel like those people care about us. And they love us. And so that's the first thing here. The first point. Really important. He cared about other people. Now let's go on down. Because we'll get into this prayer. Verse 5. He says, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps His covenant of love with those who love Him and obey His commands. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed your commands, decrees, and laws that you gave your servant Moses. Now he goes on and he talks about things. But I want to want to talk about this thing where he says, I want to confess the sins that we Israelites, including myself, have committed. Number two. Number one is you've got to care about other people. Not just yourself. Number two, you've got to be humble. People want to follow someone that's humble. 
that's honest about themselves. See, he could have said, hey, I understand that God's wrath has come down on the Israelites because of all the wickedness that the Israelites had done. Well, that would just sound like he's talking about everybody else, right? But he says, all about them and me. So he's humble. You're a sinner too. They're sinners out there. But he says, I am in, I'm in with them. Leadership is, that's going to be extended by Nehemiah here, lots going to get done, but these first two things are important so that the people will follow him. So the people will listen to what he's saying. First of all, he cares for other people, not just for himself. Secondly, he's humble. I am a sinner too. It's not just you have sinned. I'm in there with you. I have messed up as well. Hold your finger here in Nehemiah and look over to 1 Peter chapter 5. I want us to look at this passage real quickly about humility. Because humility is, uh, is something that we can get in our life. In 1 Peter chapter 5, and verse 5, he says, Young men... In the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Look at this passage. All of you should clothe yourself with humility toward one another. You should clothe yourself. All of us in this room, I'm looking over, I don't see one person out here that's naked. <laughs> we have all clothed ourselves. Now what we decided to, to wear could, could be different from person to person. Some people have... Uh, you know, more relaxed clothes on. Some people are dressed up. I see a few ties out there, neckties. Uh, looks very nice and all that. Randy, nice, looks very nice and all that. Uh, as usual, I got advice this morning on what I should clothe myself with, and uh, I obeyed obediently, uh, as, is, uh, as is smart for me to do. Uh, you know, Chris, uh, this morning, after one of the songs, looked at me and said, You're off. Amen. I was singing with enthusiasm, but uh, evidently I was off. Some of you may have been off. No one loves you enough to tell you. Uh, get married and you'll, you'll get told. Uh, that's what a wife's supposed to do for the husband, you know, uh, cover up for him uh, or whatever. But clothe yourself. That's a decision that you make about you. Clothe yourself. He goes further down. Clothe yourself. In verse 6 he says, Humble yourself. Humility, brothers and sisters and friends, is something that is only going to happen in your life if you want it to. You're not going to be humble unless you want to be humble. 
You're not going to be humble unless you practice it a little bit. And you learn how to be humble. You understand what I'm saying? If you value it. I mean, it's a really interesting thing here with Nehemiah. God, forgive us our sins and me too. It's almost like he said it and when he said it, he realized, oh gosh, I don't want to be prideful. And so he, he sort of you know, pulls himself down a little bit. That I'm, I'm, I'm guilty too. And I know it. You take a person that loves other people and a person who's humble and willing to admit their own errors and their own sins. I'm, I'm a sinner too, just like you. It sets up now what's going to happen with Nehemiah because he's going to go to them and he's going to say, we need to get busy and we need to fix this problem. But he sets it up. And I say this for those of you out there that in your mind think, hey, I, I want to be a leader in some way. I want to provide leadership for people. Think about it, these first two things. A leader is someone who loves other people, not just himself. And a leader is someone who's willing to say, this is not your problem, it's our problem. Right. Yep. You, you understand those first two things? Yep. Okay, now go back to Nehemiah. You guys following me on this? This is a cool little story as he goes through. Okay, now, skip ahead to chapter 2. He finishes the prayer there in chapter 1. And then in the beginning of chapter 2 here, you see that the inner reactions that Nehemiah as the cupbearer is going to be having with the king that he is serving. In chapter 2, verse 1, In the month of uh, Nisan, or Nisan, I'm not sure of that, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought to him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. Now that's quite a comment, isn't it? That he, he says, I have always been a very upbeat person and very happy when I'm doing my job. So the king asked me, look at this, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. The king says to him, says, hey, you must be really down about something. What are you down about? Now Nehemiah says, honest here. He says, I was very much afraid. I have a feeling he didn't have a lot of personal interactions with the king about how they were feeling. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. I don't think that was really their relationship. How are you feeling? But the king is asking him, how are you feeling? It looks like you're down. I've never seen you like this before. I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. That's a good thing to say to the king. <laughs> before I get to anything else, may you live forever. <laughs> Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried and it lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Now, I love this next comment. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. You know, some people think prayer is when you get away and get into a quiet place and you pray to God. Here is a circumstance where he is talking to the king. Then I prayed to the Lord of heaven. You know what this is? This is an instantaneous prayer. This is life is flowing right here and it's flowing real important and I don't have time to have a 25 minute quiet time. This is, 
This is where you pray in your own head. Okay, God, now. That's what this prayer is. And sometimes I've known Christians that feel guilty about, well, I want my prayer life to be more than prayers like that. Well, I, you know what? In time, I hope your prayer life has some times where you can go to the woods. But it's okay sometimes to have the, okay, now God. Prayers too. Because that's what Nehemiah has right here. God, be with me now. I need you now. Okay? May the force be with me. You know, however you think of it in your mind. Okay, come on! Uh, I, I need this to go good. And so that, then I prayed to the God of heaven. This is a fast prayer. And I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king said, uh, with the queen sitting next to him. Now, fascinating thought here. Esther, who many of you know, uh, and that story comes up uh, a little bit later uh, in the Bible, in the, the, uh, the books of the Bible as goes along. Esther is a Jewish woman that gets elevated to be the, the queen. I wonder if it was Esther uh, that was there with him. Uh, it's interesting that Nehemiah and his telling of the story uh, throws in there, oh yeah, the queen was there too. I mean, why would you throw that in unless it was something of significance? Maybe Esther was the queen that was right there with the, 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 the king. And maybe because Esther was helping him a little bit, he was a little bit more soft-hearted. Who knows? A little speculation there. But anyway, uh, perhaps Esther. But anyway, she's sitting beside him. He asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you uh, be, be back? It pleased the king to send me and so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, and he goes on and he talks about a, a bunch of stuff right there. Now, point number three. If you want to be a person that gets the job done, number one, care for other people, not for your, just, just for yourself. Number two, be sinner. Uh, be humble. Not uh, uh, You're a sinner too. I don't have to commit. Yeah. You know, you're going to be a sinner whether you want to or not. That's going to happen. Number three. Number three, pray that God will use you. Pray that God will use you. This is a prayer every child of God, every man, woman, and child should pray, God, use me. Now, we have no clue what that's going to mean. Maybe you being a mom to your children, maybe one of your children is going to grow up and do something that will be Unbelievable! God use me to be a mom, to be a dad, to be a great, maybe just being a great employee. Someone at the job is going to see you being a great employee because, and knows that you're doing it because you're a Christian. And it will change their life. And they'll become a Christian. And their children, you know, God, use me. We have no idea what that's going to mean. But it should be a prayer that every one of us prays and really want it to happen. And it may not be in your lifetime. We gotta be, we gotta be totally convinced that, listen, God's working in my life and the influence of my life, and it can't be just me now. Yeah, because we said, well, God used me. And then, then we come a week later or a month later and say, well, God didn't do anything. 
and God's up there saying, yeah, I'm doing it, dude. It's just not happening now. See, sometimes we pray God use me and we want, we want the, the spotlight to come on. Oh yeah, I'm going to be the man. No, 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 you're not going to be the man. You're going to be the man who influences the man. It's going to be your boy that's going to do it. And the rest of his life, he's going to look back on you. And all the decisions he makes in his life are going to be funneled through the example that he saw in you. But the prayer should be the same for every one of us. God, use me. In any way you want to. I'm open to whatever. Now, yeah, that's, a, that's a bold prayer. Because whatever can you know, be a lot of things. But it was Nehemiah's prayer here. So we got some good stuff, guys, of being the kind of person who gets things done. Care about other people, not just yourself. Be humble. You're a sinner too. Pray God use me. Yeah, by the way, the, the greatest story in the Bible about that is Solomon. And we don't have time to read it because of just our, our study here today. But I think a lot of you know it. But Solomon becomes the king after David, his father, dies. And, he, and God uh, 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 appears to him in a vision and says, tell me what to do. I'll do anything for you that you want, that you want me to do. And Solomon says, hey, I need wisdom. I, I, I am sure I can't do this job being the king unless I have your wisdom. And God comes back to him and says, hey, I'll give you wisdom. And because you didn't ask for the death of your enemies, and because you didn't ask for riches, and because you didn't ask for long life, I'm going to give you all that too. But he gives him a tremendous amount of wisdom, and, and, and he goes along his way. I don't know if all of us or any of us are going to have the opportunity for God to say, hey, give me, I'll give you whatever you want. You know, but Solomon's answer was a good answer. You know, if the Lord does appear to you and ask you that, I would counsel you. Good answer. Give me wisdom so that I can help God's people be all that they need to be. Okay, go back to Nehemiah. This time over to chapter 2. You guys there? So we've got these first three down. We've got two more to go uh, of of, of how this is all going to look. In chapter 2, verse 11. I went to Jerusalem. So now he's gone from where he was in the citadel of Susa in Babylon, and he's gone back, and he's now arrived in Jerusalem. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days... I set out during the night. Now, there's a couple things here to note. During the night. So, obviously, he's doing this a little undercover, right? I, I, I went out after night with a few men. So, he doesn't take a whole party that's going to catch a lot of attention. This is just a few men with him. He says, uh, uh, I had not told anyone what God had put on my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one that I was riding on. And so this is really a low-key sort of recon kind of a thing. He's going out to sort of see how it looks. And he's trying to not alert a lot of people to what he's doing. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the, dung, uh, and the dung gate. That's exactly what you think it is. So there you go. Examining the walls of Jerusalem... Uh, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, uh, but there was not enough room for my mouth to get through, so I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as of yet, I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or the officials or any others who would be doing the work 
I mean, he had in mind what he was going to be doing. Then he says, then I said to them, you see the trouble that we're in. We'll pick it up a little bit here. The point here is, if you're going to be someone that's going to get the job done, if you're going to be that kind of person, you've got to be willing to get your hands dirty. Got to be willing to get your hands dirty. He goes out, and this is sort of a recon by night kind of a thing, and, and they're trying not to alert everybody to what they're doing, and they're going in and out, and everything is destroyed, and they even got the one point, he says, I, I had the only mount, uh, or the only horse, is what he's saying there, or donkey, or whatever, uh, that, that he was on, uh, and, and we couldn't even get it through. It was, it was so messed up and destroyed that, that, that we couldn't uh, bring the, the mount through. He's out there, in the dark, in the dirt, in the, in the mess of all these rocks and all this destruction that was all around him, he was willing to get his hands dirty. If you want to be a person in life that gets things done, you've got to be willing to get dirty. Now, there's a lot of things in life you just can't do it without there being a mess. You know what I mean? There's just going to be a mess. If, we're, if, if you're going to get it done, you're going to get dirty along the way. Yeah. There's going to be some work. There's going to be some sweat. There's going to be some blood maybe uh, that's spilled along the way, if you know what I mean. Uh, you know, but, but we're going to get the job done one way or another. But you've got to be willing to get it done if, if you know what I'm saying. You've got to have the attitude, this has got to get done, and I will do what I need to do to get it done. This is not a casual, well, I'm going to try, and if it doesn't work out, no big deal. No, this is, this is going to get done. And I am going to finish what I start. I'm willing to get my hands dirty. Along the way. I'm willing to pay the price to get the job done. This is, this is point. Number four here. This is a point on toughness. You say, well, I, I've never been a real tough person. Well, if you want to be a get the job done person, then start. Because there are some things in life, folks, that are never going to be completed Unless you get an edge about you. That I'm going to get this done. I'm going to speak to the college students right now. I don't think I've ever known a college student who didn't think about quitting at least once. Several. They think about quitting on a weekly basis. I've never known a college student that graduated to regret that they graduated either. You may not even use your degree. You know, my daughter's degree, she, she works in uh, HR uh, for an Australian skin cream company in New York City. Her, her degree was in English. Has nothing to do with HR. Matter of fact, when, when she went to Temple to the, uh, 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 to the lady, or uh, the, the counselor, that it was a lady, but a counselor that, uh, that said, uh, you know, well, okay, uh, what, what's your major? And uh, Maria said, uh, my major is whatever's going to get me out of temple the quickest. <laughs> and they, they started figuring it out. And based on all the junior college credits that she had and all that kind of thing, the, the, the lady said, well, I think the quickest way out is English. 
And so, guess what Maria says is going to be your major? English. Because she wanted to get done, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, but, uh, you know, you're not going to get done in life with some things unless you just say, hey, I'm going to finish this. I'm going to get it done one way or another. And you've got to have that kind of toughness about you that uh, I know there's going to be some hardship along the way. Uh, you know, I had to, uh, I think I've shared a story with some of you before, but I had one class left that I'd been putting off my whole four years of school, and it was uh, trigonometry. And uh, I had to have, in my major, I had to have trigonometry to graduate. And uh, I had put it off and put it off and put it off. And it was the last summer term. I had already accepted a job in the ministry at Northern Illinois uh, that started in August when school started at Northern Illinois. And this is like in June. And I have put it off and put it off and put it off. And I start the summer term there. And I had one class. Guess what it was? Trigonometry. And the smartest guy in our whole campus ministry was Chris's boyfriend. Yeah, not me. Uh, but he and I were good friends. And I said, listen, Gordon, I need you to, to, to tutor me through... I wasn't interested in Chris at that, 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 that time. That wasn't an issue. But, uh, but I needed Gordon to, to, to tutor me through uh, class. And so he said, okay, take good notes. And then after you come back from class, I'll sit down with you with the notes. And he'd see my notes. He'd say, no, 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 that's going to work. Here's what you need to do. And, and he walked me through. And I got a C in, in trigonometry. <laughs> I graduated. Yeah. Fired up about that. You know how much trigonometry I've done since then? None. I couldn't do a single problem in trigonometry right now. I know it's sine, cosine, and tangent, but, uh, you know, uh, or it's coincide, cosine and uh, temper or something. Uh, but anyway, uh, the way I felt temper, I'd get angry. Uh, I found out that getting angry didn't help you with math, uh, you know, but angry. Angry helped me with a lot of things in life, but not with math. But, you know, you, you've just got to have that feeling, that attitude, hey, I'm going to get through. I'm going to get my fingers dirty in getting this done. Um, I, I wrote down here, and I think it's a good thing to think about in this, in this idea. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. If it's worth doing, do it. Get through it. You don't have to like it. Hold your nose and get through it. Everything in life is not supposed to be fun. But we see him out there and he's getting his hands dirty. Okay, now here's the last thing I want us to look at. I wish we had more time to study this. This is a fantastic study. I would urge you to go back in your own uh, uh, quiet times and Bible study times and read Nehemiah. It's a great study. We're, not, we're just barely touching what's going on. Okay, what happens was, and he says to them uh, in verse 17 there, he says, uh, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Uh, by the way, he says we. That's nice, isn't it? He includes himself. Uh, he said, Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we'll no longer be in disgrace. The people come on down. It says, they replied, let us start rebuilding. And so they began to do the good work. In chapter 3, and we really don't have time to go through this, it is fascinating how you've got this family working on this part of the wall. You've got this family, when this people working on this family and, and, and the, the parts of the wall, and they're all building the parts of the wall. Some of them are building the parts of the wall that that are connected to the homes that they live in. And, you know, it's like the back of the house is the wall. And so they're building it up and they go on through. 
But here's what happens as they start this whole thing. Uh, and it brings us to point number five. Is that, and, and this is point number five. Uh, just accept opposition. Accept opposition as reality. If you're going to do anything in life that's worth anything, someone is not going to like it. And there's going to be opposition. So in chapter 2, you know, you, you just have this thing, just get going. And, and uh, in chapter 3, things are messing up already. And then look at uh, chapter, uh, chapter 4. In verse 1, it says, When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. So somebody wasn't happy. He ridiculed the Jews and, and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria said, what, those feeble Jew, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring those stones back to life from the heaps of rubble burned as they are? Look at Tobiah. He's a little knucklehead. Tobiah, we all got a Tobiah in our life. Tobiah the Ammonite said, uh, was at his side and said, what they are building, even if a fox climbed on it, he would break down their wall of stones. So he's got, they've got all kinds of opposition. People making fun of them. Uh, you can't do this. It ain't going to get done. And you got all this going on. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to be persecuted. Paul says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Let me tell you a true thing of life. Nobody anywhere ever has decided to do something that's important and there hadn't been somebody that didn't like it. If you're going to do anything with your life that's important, there's going to be opposition. If you're going to do something with your life, there's going to be someone that's going to say, you're not smart enough, you're not strong enough, you're not fast enough, you're from the wrong family, you grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, you speak the wrong language, you've got the wrong heritage, you're the wrong gender. It's never not going to happen. If you're looking for everybody to be your fan, you're looking for fantasy. And you're thinking about heaven. That's going to be one of the great things about heaven. Everybody's going to like you in heaven. But you're not in heaven. You're still in the the testing time of living life here. And you've got to realize and accept opposition. And even to some degree, let me say this, you've got to feed on it. Instead of letting it discourage you, it needs to build a fire in you even greater than ever before. You don't think I can do this? I will do it to show you I can do it. You tell me I can't do this. You understand what I'm saying? But you've got to accept opposition. Then not let it get you down and not let it get you discouraged. Well, I wish she'd be nicer to me. Well, I wish the Bears had won the Super Bowl too. I mean, there's a lot of things you might want to wish about. Quit wishing about it and get about your business and understand that opposition is part of it. So here's the thing, guys. We've got to close this down. This is a great study. I really would encourage you to go back and read uh, uh, Nehemiah. You'll love it. it. It flows easy. It's a great story. 
Care about other people, not just yourself. Be humble. You're a sinner too. Pray for God to use you. Be willing to get your hands dirty. Accept opposition as reality. And here is what's going to happen. Chapter 6, verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. What a great story. And it's one, and the reason I wanted to do it, because listen, every one of us in this room have walls in our life that we need to build. And there's no way we're going to build them unless if it's by the help of God in our life. We're never going to have those walls built in our life. But they can be built. In many ways, they must be built. But they have to be built with these these components in our character. Your DNA is set. A better character is there to get. You're not done yet. The wills, the won'ts, and the can'ts. The wills achieve everything. The won'ts oppose everything. The can'ts won't even try. They don't even try anything. Let's be the kind of people that develop our character, grow in our character, and be the kind of people that get the job done. God bless. Have a fantastic week.